Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. ESPN, Fox, Barstool, and also has been with us when it comes to breaking down things that I'm not smart enough to know and maybe sometimes don't want to know enough about. But Dan Lust at Sports Law Lust on Twitter does a great job. And this week, of course, with Virginia and Tennessee going at the NCAA and more. Dan, thank you for your time with Craig and myself as well. So uh, it was this uh, uh, the gauntlet thrown down at the NCAA with what we saw yesterday? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. I think we've been waiting for this lawsuit in the legal industry for maybe a year or two. Um, I, I'm not surprised that it's a school like Tennessee to do it, a Power 5 SEC school. Um, I am surprised it took this long, but yes, it's a big shot across the bow and one with ramifications across the country. So Dan, Danny White uh, coming out very strong, their athletic director, letting it be known that they are ready for a fight. So can you kind of just break down in, in simpler terms for those not up on all of the, the legal battles ongoing with the NCAA, just what this particular one represents and, and what kind of, uh, I guess, things could come as a result of this uh, potential lawsuit and, and this battle? Yeah, at a really high level, and I'll, I'll, you know, you guys know I'm a sports law professor, so i got to give you a little bit of history. As sure, we sure. You know, the, the NIL era has been around, we, we call it July 1st of 2021. Since that time, you can maybe count one, two NIL punishments, and that was uh, Miami women's basketball, that was like a, a year ago, and then nothing really else until this past month when you have the Punishment announced for Florida State, that negotiated resolution, it becomes public. Uh, Florida football's investigation and then Tennessee football. So all of a sudden, NCAA is starting to get back into their old groove of, you know, violations and enforcement. They hadn't really done it at all in the NIL era. So, you know, Tennessee is nothing. Nothing has happened yet. They've just, you know, they've been given, a, I believe, a draft notice of allegations. It's not, not nothing official at this point. Um, there's no punishment, there's no discipline, there's no nothing. Tennessee is trying to get ahead of this uh, punishment. So 
Tennessee is, you know, it's been public that there's investigation. And for purpose of this lawsuit, Tennessee's attorney general is basically saying, we want to declare that the NCA doesn't have the power to enforce the NIL rights because it's violative antitrust law. But, you know, as you'll see where I'm going with it, it's a little, you know, we'll say premature for Tennessee to say that when they haven't been punished at all yet. Not to say that Tennessee's not right, but, uh, you know, it's, it's day two of, will be, I think, an extended battle here. So does this blow the door open if uh, if the NCAA can't win this? or And this could be tied up forever. I don't know. But it's almost like we've discussed this. It's almost like getting numb to all of this back and forth, but nothing ever seems to happen. Could this blow the doors off the NCAA or not? It could. I mean, there's a couple cases pointed at the NCAA. You know, I, I think – Everyone assumes the NCAA will lose these cases because they've had such a poor track record in court. I mean, if if Tennessee wins, and I'd say this is not necessarily winning the, all the case all the way at the end of the line, but right now they're seeking a uh, preliminary injunction to basically stop the NCAA's enforcement of any type of punishment. So if they win that, um, you know, you'll see this exact case happening across the country. So yeah, it certainly could have that, but. You know, in order to get a temporary restraining order, permanent injunction, anything like that, you have to show some degree of harm. And I'm not quite sure Tennessee has it yet. Not that they won't, right? Um, but it's not not quite there. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a transfer case against the NCAA. There's back payment. Uh, that's the House for NCAA case in California. There's the unionization case. There's Dartmouth basketball. We got a lot of arrows pointed at the NCAA. So I, I really think any one of these could really be the house of cards. Dan, there's so many things that you just pointed out. Um, just kind of how do you view the NCAA's position? I'm not sure that you put yourself in, in their shoes all that much, but obviously there's self-preservation, and there's this model that's been around for forever, but taking lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit and loss after loss after loss, I mean, just how how long can that possibly go on, and, and, and what are they trying to ultimately gain, I guess? Is it just hoping that someday some politician's finally going to go, all right, you guys, here's your NIL legislation. Is that really the only option in front of them at the moment? I think that's the best option. I think you've, you've described it pretty well. I mean, I guess twofold. The NCAA for, you know, the last couple decades, the main thing they were known for, right, was really enforcing and, and trying to protect amateurism. And they haven't done that for three years. So you have a lot of people on the sidelines saying the NCAA is doing nothing. They're not enforcing this landscape. So I'm not sure, not quite sure what they're doing here. Anybody can negotiate, you know, the, the billion dollar March Madness deal, right? You don't just need the NCAA for that. What is the NCAA's role in football? Is it better served without them? So I think the NCAA was trying to assert their, I don't know, some type of power here, but obviously that, that doesn't really look good in light of Tennessee's lawsuit. Um, I think you're right that if the NCAA keeps losing these cases, uh, there's going to be no NCA left. And, and we're talking about the NCAA's power. But there's a couple cases that are seeking like billions of dollars in back pay from the NCA for the, you know, uh, the illegality of not allowing athletes to make money prior to July of 21. So there's the power element, the money element. And if you strip those two things away, what does the NCA have? And I think to your, your point, which is a good one, federal law, that kind of carves out some antitrust protection um, and gets rid of the state-by-state approach. I think it's helpful to the NCA, but the toothpaste kind of out of the bag now. And any one of these, you know, any one of these cases really could derail the NCA. So, um, yeah, I think it's a ticking time bomb at this point, even with the federal law. Dan, this might be a dumb question, but if it is, I don't know the answer. You know, we hear about this next level of football that that the possibility is that there's this upper division that even.
uh, Baker has mentioned, Charlie Baker of the NCAA, whether or not that ever happens or not, is there any chance at all that if 32 teams or how many it is try to separate from what is FBS, that those remaining in the FBS could sue them? Could sue who? Could sue the, the, the NCAA? Those, yeah, like could sue the group that's trying to break away because we've seen, you know, there's the FCS, there's the FBS. We've seen Oregon State and Washington State left out, and that's more of a, a, a conference thing. But there's nothing else legally that could prevent those schools from moving up to their own division, is there? Um, Not quite. I mean, like, I, I don't want to say no because there's a lot of business deals. There's television deals. So we've, we've seen lawsuits when one school is trying to leave a conference one going on right now with Florida State and the ACC. Um, there are some legal hurdles, but there, I guess the, the larger question that I've, I've gotten asked on Twitter a lot, is there anything stopping you know the SEC or one of these conferences from leaving the NCAA? The answer to that is no. I mean, you have to worry about unwinding business contracts and whatnot. But legally, you know, these conferences don't have to be a part of the NCAA. Um, and I think this Baker proposal that you're referencing is – I think the NCAA's way to say, like, listen, the haves and the have-nots, and I think I've talked to you guys about this before, but the haves, you know, they can kind of create this elite level of the NCAA. They can make their own rules. And those that don't, you know, care about making their own rules, they can sit back and be under, you know, would be a traditional NCAA realm. Um, is there any lawsuit that could result from splintering of those two factions? I'm sure, right? we got like 10 NCAA-based lawsuits happening right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see, I, I put it this way. The NCA's model right now is not conducive to having, you know, a hundred plus division one schools. It's meant to be fractured in some sense. And I'd be very surprised if five, 10 years from now, there's no, we have the same model of a hundred plus division one programs under the NCA's banner, football, uh, basketball. I think these are just two very different sports when it comes to the full landscape. So we'll see. I, I think it's becoming untenable, though. Dan, as you mentioned, you got a lot of topics on your plate right now. I was curious of what percentage of those are uh, having to do with Florida State and the ACC, and folks wanted to try and figure out how this this part of the equation will will work out ultimately. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about it on the show. I mean, that's that's an, an interesting case because it really can open up the floodgates to conference realignment again, right? Florida State, I think the number, I think they're being asked to pay a five hundred million dollar exit fee. And they're basically saying that that number doesn't make any sense, that it, the number's unfair as applied. And if Florida State wins that case um, against the ACC, I would expect other ACC schools to immediately test that route to try to get out. So, yeah, the Florida State case is, is certainly a big one. I mean, it's a case that we haven't talked about, but one where the NCA got a win somewhat recently, two kids from the overtime elite league uh, played an overtime elite and then tried to go to the NCA. The NCA said, we want to make our rules. We don't want to allow kids that went pro before they came here. And the NCA won that case. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't get that much publicity, but the NCA is not, uh, you know, they're, they're not winless here. They do get little wins here and there that nobody reports on. But, yeah, you know, I'm paying attention to all, all elements of the landscape. I, I guess my last question, and I brought this up, if the NCAA had not been um, so stubborn, not maybe they had good intentions or maybe they just wanted to make sure they got all the money and, and, and athletes got none of it, but when O'Bannon and then uh, Alston and all that started, had they been more proactive, Dan, uh, let's just say 1995 
would they be in the position they are today or they still would have eventually lost a lot of what they had? I think that the, I mean, this is a groundswell. Like this last three years, you have a new lawsuit basically every every two, three weeks that has some relevance. Um, I, and I, you know, I think you bring up O'Bannon, I think purposefully. California is where all this started. That's where fair play to play, the actual law that started the NIL era came about. So I think it was a response to the NCA not doing anything, like eliminating the video game instead of paying college athletes. So it, it's not just that they, like, chose not to pay athletes. It's almost that they went the other way despite cases on point for that were pro players. So I think the NCA's handling was just trying to kick the can down the road, and, and now, you know, can is kind of revolting, and they're multiplying. It so, is- yeah, I'm not quite – I'm not quite sure the exit strategy for them at this point. I've used it as an example that that uh, that drill in football called bull in the ring, when one guy's in the middle and there's a bunch of players around him and he's getting hit from different directions. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Dan, it's been too long since we had you on. You're really very good. I saw where you were honored among what a few places mentioned you as a top sports law attorney to go to. Thanks so much for your time. I'm glad you're doing well. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Dan Lust, Sports Law Lust on Twitter. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.